Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. When will I, will I be famous? This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today we're talking to director Joe Perlman about how to make a hit documentary about an 80s boy band, working with talent and how to deal with the hype. I'm Giles Alderson, co-writer and director of the psychological horror feature film The Dare, which is now in post, and the World of Darkness feature documentary, which is out now if you want to watch it. I also produced Cassettes, which is a found footage horror film, and the pitch black horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. I am currently in LA recording this, as I'm here with Dan Richardson. Say hello, Dan. And we're here filming some more footage and interviews for the Food for Thought documentary and recording the Kickstarter video for the campaign launching soon. Exciting, right, Dan? Off the chart. Exciting times indeed. Um, So I wanted to do this intro from the beach. As I said, I would, but it's pissing it down here, which is always a joy, a real joy, when you're filming. And as everyone I've encountered has said, you obviously brought it with you, huh? Uh, Apologies to any Americans out there. (laughs) Uh, Like I brought it with me, like some sort of disease. That aside, I will try and record some videos uh, on Twitter. Well, I'll put them on Twitter from here this week for you, from the beach. I'll do that for you. If I can, if it stops raining, which we hope it does, because we've got a lot to film. So, how you doing? How are you? Is all good with you? I hope you're, um, you're out there doing something you love, whether that's filmmaking or something else. Do something that makes you happy, even if it's in your spare time. Write that script. Make that film in your free time, even if you have to. If that's what you want to do, then go and do it. Don't get to 85 and wish you had. Wish you'd done it. No, I know how scary it can be, I promise you, but embrace that fear and fight as hard as you can to make your dream a reality because no one else will do it for you. Okay, I'm going to ask a favour from you guys right now. Um, BuzzFeed are looking for recommendations for podcasts people love. And I'm asking you as a favour, if you wouldn't mind going on there and clicking the link and just saying if you do like this podcast obviously click there and say yeah uh, we recommend the filmmakers podcast because if we did get on there it could be huge for us and uh, reach could be much further so we'd really appreciate that so if you don't mind the link will be in the show notes it'll take you a minute just click the link sign in and say yes I recommend the filmmakers podcast so thank you do that for us I really appreciate it are you going to the Cannes Film Festival? Because a good can, like a good film, requires effective pre-production. You've got to plan it. You've got to focus that production, which is you. A registration starts in February for that. So getting quick with all the knowledge you need after attending Raindance's Cannes Survival Guide. And you can book your place at the next session on the 4th of February. And you can get in for just a tenner. That's right, just a tenner. It's normally 25 quid. Um, with our Filmmakers Podcast exclusive discount code CAM10. If you can't attend in London, you can also live stream the course online. 
still a tenner for you and you can live stream that and it is basically everything you need to know about having a good can. Right, links in the show notes. Click that link. Thank you, Raindance. Uh, indie Film Shoutouts. Thank you, guys. This week to the Paul Doherty, Shotlister, Jeff Wolfenden, Chris Sadler, the James Hughes, Will Kenning, and to the Film Pro Prod. Uh, it's a brilliant podcast. Do go listen to that, by the way. Okay, let's get to this week's podcast that we recorded at the Biffle Room, a rain dance with the brilliant director, Joe Perlman, who goes into depth about documentary filmmaking, especially making and working with the many-time gold medal winning marathon runner Mo Farah and the new Bros documentary, Bros, After the Screaming Stops, which is available now, by the way, on iPlayer. Uh, he also talks about working with Matt and Luke Goss. Enjoy. Joining me as my co-host today is the wonderful and always delectably dressed and handsomely coiffured hair, long blonde luscious locks with his lovely stubbly beard and his, his very tanned surfer-like face. It's the one and only Christian James Ella, mate. How do I, how do I follow that? Well, you how come back I... with another compliment to me is probably best. You're looking all right, Giles. Thanks, mate. Bit nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like in the shirt. Like, that, whoa, blue, it looks like blue. a, uh, what is this? No, no, I, I, a lot of blue going on uh-huh. today. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I will t- that's it, I'll take that. A yeah. lot of blue is the uh, compliment. I often compliment your visage, Giles. So, yeah. no, uh, thank you. That's very good. How are you, buddy? How's I'm things? very good. I'm very good. good. Um, Christian is the director of Fanged Up, which yep. is out recently, of Stalled. Um, yep. And I have to say this, Goblin. Wait, is he gonna? You gonna? No, go on. Yeah, uh. night feed and night feed. Of course, he's. Is it available? People want to see. It yeah, now. night we feed talk is about my. It is, uh, it's my pin tweet. I think actually. So if you've got my Twitter, which is C James, James Direct. C James. Thank you, Joss. Uh, it's the pin tweet, and it's on there. Film, film for sure. It's on. It's on also on um, all four. Go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Christmas. This is our first one after Christmas. Isn't no, it? no, no. Last no. week we had Neil Marshall. I forget that. Yes. How could you forget? Well, we can't. It's not really because we recorded Neil Marshall before Christmas. That's not, did we? <laughs> yeah, because it was on our end of year. Yes, of I course. I mentioned it on our end of year. Yeah, yeah, you did. So we did. Forgot because it couldn't make my top ten of the of the. That's uh, right of the year because, podcast. but it would do. But it'll make your twenty nineteen already. Is my first podcast of this year. So yeah, but it's also mine then. Yeah, right. And what a way to start. What, what a way to got. start. We have. And, and also, I've got a show. There's a gentleman there's lurking a gentleman in the corner. Lurking of the room in the corner. Well. It's, it's Dom <laughs> Lenoir. He's a director, apparently. He's also a. What else are you, apparently? Uh, Lean in, Dom. Lean in. I'm, I'm here, but I'm not here. Yeah, you're here, but you're not here because we're, we're doing the um, Make Your Film yeah, yes. uh, event on the 29th of January at 7 pm. And Dom Lenoir and myself were just doing some. Very stupid videos. Interested in stupid videos. There'll be plenty coming from myself and Giles, but also very informative about the event. Yeah, there we go. So Dom's here, he's, he's listening in, and he'll be chatting as well, I imagine, chucking in questions if he wants. Because today's guest, and I'm delighted for today's guest, um, it is the fantastic filmmaker Joe Perlman. Hello, mate. How's it going? Very good, very good. Thank so, you uh, Your me. mic's just drooped. Ooh. You haven't complimented Joe, and I so, feel like I've got a lot of visual compliments. <laughs> magnificent beard. Yeah. Joe does have a magnificent Thank beard. You very much. He's wearing a muscle vest, like a tank top. A muscle kind of, vest? Yeah, I'd say that was a jumper. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that's the furthest thing. Peacock feathers. <laughs> no pants. Uh, yeah, yeah. No clogs. Yeah. I'm ready pants. for a podcast. Yeah. He's and his, his jumper up. says, it's greased up. Yeah. Oh, he's ready for a podcast. <laughs> greased up. Your jumper says St. Des. St. Ides. 
Okay. Sides. <laughs> <laughs> Better not be. No this is a vegan podcast. No, no, no. Oh, no. Good Jewish boy. There's no bacon. Yeah, good man. Is it a good vegan man. podcast? I better go because I'm sort of like I'm still. Yeah, I'm, not on, I'm trying veggie. to persuade you to become vegan. I'm, I'm doing the documentary. I know. I know. I'm, I keep. We have this. I. I'm nudging towards vegetarian. Vegan's going to be a tough, but I'll do. I'll you know maybe I'll do like your challenge. Yeah, do it. Do your new challenge. Well, actually, we're doing another thirty days of our mm. vegan participants. Or, well, not vegan people who aren't vegan mm. who go vegan for the month and they document it and tell us about how it went. When's that starting? February. Well, we're doing the Kickstarter on February the seventh, so yeah. it's around that time. Fancy okay. it? Yeah, I think a Mrs. James. I love might the get I think I have to have that. Mrs. James involved because she's the prime meal planner in the James household. So she's got Basically, to be on you it. don't cook at all. I do. Right. I'm quite and actually, generally, yeah, I do cook. Thank you. I am. I'm quite good in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, but not so vegan. I'll be honest. But oh, maybe one day if I'm forced. Oh, okay. All right. I like that. Joe's yeah. also feeling uh, the uh, guilt. The guilt. Right. Yeah. Maybe a little. The Jewish bacon guilt. When we do the documentary, when you see it, maybe that will change your mind. Possibly. Possibly. I hope so. I mean, Possibly, it's a good doc then. Yeah, well, there is that. And talking of good docs, you've made some great docs. Thank you very you've much. had a great career. Let's talk about that real quick. We'll tell you about what Joe has done um, recently. He's directed lots of commercials and directed lots of TV docs, which was um, Seven Goals That Shook the World, which is really cool. Um, Bring Me the Head of Diego Maradona, uh, TV app, and um, Mo Farah, The Race of His Life. And the films, which is also Mo Farah, No Easy Mile for Universal Pictures, no less, and Bros, after the screaming stops for 4L73. That's, that's a decent career. Um, it's basically, welcome to the show, Joe Perlman, everybody. That sounded like a wolves. No, we'll, yeah. add, we'll add some in, in post, we'll add some claps we and never cheers. Do, and then we'll add a, a, we yeah. I'll clap myself. Yeah, you're proud yeah. of yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hi, I'm, uh. I'm back. <laughs> So let's start. Let's let's start at the beginning. Let's start where you started. What was it uh, about um, filmmaking that made you want to do it? So it actually started at home watching movies with my dad. Early on, I mean, I must have been seven or eight. I think the first, the, the third man was played to me um, and told, "This is this is filmmaking. This is what this you need. is awesome. This words, is what, yeah. what you strive for um, as and a your filmmaker." Dad's not filmmaker, nothing. Or, no, not no, in the no, family, not at all. Um, not until my brother later on. But yeah. you know, a lot of. I mean, they love films. I mean, my grandpa as well like, grew up on Danny Kaye and the Marx Brothers. Yeah. So like, you know, it's it's all there from back in the day. And then yeah, I was luckily um, I was lucky that my brother is also a producer, and uh, I was doing my GCSEs while he was making his first film uh, in the hands of. The gods with Fullwell 73 yeah with woody and Kleine and those guys exactly. it's a wonderful film that. yeah yeah, it's a great i film. love it yeah yeah they for, for that to be their first film it was actually an amazing amazing yeah. documentary and the fact they because they didn't know at the time they were going to meet maradona exactly so and the, the fact that he, he well not to ruin yeah. it <laughs> too late now it's, exactly. like, it's it been a while i think you can you can spoiler it now it's totally right it's to like 20 it. years yeah, and maradona yeah. turns up at the end of that it was just I, the way they made it was really interesting. Yeah, it was what a really, great start for them. It's a beautiful film. Um, so I was an edit assist on that film. Um, a lot of late nights oh, in Soho. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, to kind of get get used to what what that is and uh, and and that kind of feel. And then um, I went to film school a couple of years later, London Film School, um, and graduated as an editor. Um, always kind of knew I wanted to go into directing, but wasn't necessarily prepared to do the things to, that the directors were doing at that point. Why yeah. is that? What what made you not want to declare? I'm a director. God damn it! There's a lot of kind of kiss arsing going on and also mm. a lot of films that i i thought that i personally wouldn't want to make so there's type of films that at the time i did want to make 
they weren't that interested in. Yeah. It was a lot more experimental and, and it's just something that I didn't really click with. So and was, what would you have been into? So what kind of stuff did you want to make at the time and what would you have been into? Um, so my graduation film that I pitched as a director was about death row. It was a journey from wow. uh, a journey of a, of a person along death row and their kind of life reliving as they go through it. Yeah. So something felt like a lot straighter than the average, like, you know, everyone else was doing tranny this or yeah you know all that you know just stuff that was way out there and, yeah. and i just was my sentiment was much more you know dark or serious or that kind of thing mm. was um, that something you always felt like that's what you wanted to do rather than fiction it was almost kind of like a, a straight out feature if you like it was almost like i want to do documentaries and get to the heart of stuff i think so um i i think that i was always i was very i'm very lucky that i'm uh i guess i'm i'm good with people and i feel like i can open them up very quickly mm. and quite easily um and also embed myself in their in their life quite easily um so that in itself has been an amazing talent when it comes to documentary because people want you there um, and they don't you know you know they're not like kicking you out of the way how is it difficult to for you to do what you needed to do how, how was you're saying he's a difficult character so he a lot of sportsmen have this immediate sky sports press kind of uh, veneer yes, yeah, yeah. that they just hit yeah. you with immediately you know how was today training well giving 110 percent, that yes. kind of stuff mm-hmm. Stock and answers, as soon as you hear yeah. that a few times you have to just kind of cut the camera walk away with the person and be like it's just shit. Like, yeah. come on, you got to be, there's more. Massively. You kind of want to get to the truth of the person or the truth of the subject. Yeah. So therefore, by doing that, you have to be nosy, but not, maybe right. nosy is the wrong word. It's I, I find inquisitive. Pe- I find people fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I find, I find, you know, the pain that comes from childhood fascinating. I find all the little details mm. about people that have led to the person that I get to meet fascinating. Mm. And I just want to know how you get to that point. And, kind of uh, like yeah. our podcast, actually. It's a little bit, we want to know the person who made that right. Right, and how they got to that point rather than, because the, the fluff stuff at the end well. is fine. Yeah. Have you ever done a, a, a non-doc piece itself? Have you thought, okay, I'm going to direct actors in that sense? Um, I, I haven't done, uh, I haven't done like a feature particularly. Feature, no, 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 short, no, even little bits. I've done shorts. I've done a few little bits. Um, yeah. Cause your ads as well, you're, you're directing right. people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like the, uh, the skills are, are, are kind of transferable between the two. Doc mm. is a great way to set up for, for scripted because you can you can allow that person to get in you can help to get that person in the mindset when you're trying to um when you're trying to you know if you if you think about a character you can delve deeper into that character because i can interview you as if you are that character yeah and i can kind of push that a bit further and i feel that that's a really interesting thing that i try to do with any actors that i work with that's try to really push them into that character the whole time i think it's helpful yeah absolutely and also by opening up yourself you're kind of uh you know it's the same in film as as your technique in in documentary Mm. You're, you're kind of giving something to them to show that they can then give back yeah exactly. but the difference between the two obviously directing actors you can go uh, can we go again and get that right yeah in a doc you can't no you cannot do that so <laughs> have you ever done or have you ever yeah, been tempted to go that was so good and i missed it or uh there's been uh, yeah there's been moments where the camera's been off but i can't read yeah i'm not i'm not the kind of guy who's you gonna make someone yeah. read it I yeah because it's the, and it becomes out. they become acting exactly then. it becomes not as real exactly. and also like you know to let the talent know that maybe you missed something it's probably not sure, the sure. to do as well yeah it's just, what else are you missing we would <laughs> never do that on this podcast <laughs> would we would never, never. <clears throat> so listeners we've had whilst we were recording this podcast we had a, a memory card issue the issue being uh, we ran out of memory cards <laughs> um, so we had to uh, replace and repeat disgraceful quite frankly but, uh, but in a Joe documentary a trooper, uh, yeah kind of went with it has it happened to you uh there are interviews often so i i'd never put two cars in the camera so the we, kind of that over, over, over yeah, that yeah. Over thing to avoid that at all costs because mm. it's a nightmare often yeah. um and uh it happens in interviews often that you're like 
oh my god 30 seconds yeah, please bashing, please bashing, yeah, yeah please, please, please just, end just the sentence. Just, what? and then you like make a noise oh come on guys cut quick change <laughs> something like that like blame it on someone else so that was the Mo Farah stuff and then next would be the, the Bross doc it was it was Mo Farah then I did I started on the Bross film it's fair to say it's captured the zeitgeist and it's become a big hit Quite recently, the, the, uh, you know, a month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Massive Christmas hit, actually. Yeah, yeah so, uh, and I wouldn't have guessed that a, a doc on the two Bross brothers... You would be right. ...would go as viral as it has. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the potential very happy. There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so mean, happy. It's a big yeah. smile. I love it if people say that. Yeah. So going, we like, oh, there's, there's, could you, could, was your spider sense tingling? Yeah. So um, initially it was pitched to me. I was on a different project mm. and it was pitched to me and I said no. Um, I said, it's not for me. It feels like a, there was, it was Bross, Banana Rama and a few other people. Ah, they yeah. wanted to kind of do because a little retrospective. You, Bross would have been... Forgive me, you, you, you're, yeah, you look no so idea. youthful and beautiful. 30. I yeah, born. so Bross would be before your time. Exactly. Yeah. The year I was born was kind of their peak. Yeah. So I had no idea who they were. So, yeah. you know, the Googles, you're like, a couple yeah. of interesting songs, but, you know, not, not really, it doesn't feel like something that I No, unfortunately, their, their, their career was very short and sharp. Exactly. So, yeah. To I me, I lived through that. I was about <laughs> Jesus, 11. Made it through. I know. Can you believe it? Whoa, Whoa really? Yeah. My face? Yeah. Um, yeah, lived through that. And I remember the Did you have bottle tops on your shoes? I didn't. I just remember the the buzz around it, and and at that age, at eleven, you you don't like that kind of you know boy band ish anyway. But I remember uh, oh, it. Not publicly. I mean, just but I, the songs were amazing. They were fantastic, and I didn't realise from actually watching the doc how short a period it was, and it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. But anyway, we'll get to that. Um, so, some, <laughs> sorry, I just my bros moment there. He knows all this. You're I know. I've done it. knows. There's no need for this. They were big. Yeah. They were big. So for you, th- this this retrospective of doing all these people comes about, and you go, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. So I was doing. Uh, I think I was actually doing a film about Formula E at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so more sports stuff. Um, and then um, I got a phone call from my brother while I was in America, and he said, I'd really like you to go and meet these uh, the boys. That the, another director had been doing a couple of weeks on the job so far, David Sutar, who I co-directed this with. Yes. Um, and, he, and I'd like you to go and meet them and just see what you think. So I flew out to Vegas. Um, at the end of this, at the end of the job, I was in Montreal. I flew to Vegas. I met Matt, and the first scene in the film that you see with Matt when he's showing you around his house is the very first thing I shot. Did wow. you have a conversation in the conversation corner? Of course. <laughs> no. I love the fact he has a conversation it's corner. Fucking genius. everyone needs a conversation corner. So the doc is obviously there. They're an interesting two couple of guys, um, and it's a lot. of This has been talked about already. Could you see that going? This could be quite funny or, or and what made you make what, yeah, ma- yeah. what think, made you I, want to do it i suppose what yes, made you go yeah what so is the value two things um yeah. i would say the um the the pain and the struggle and what happened to them in the past when i was reading about it and then i met them i couldn't i couldn't believe and i couldn't imagine because it's not something that's part of my life how much they could be affected by what happened so long ago that mm. they haven't just moved on they yeah. haven't tried to you know they have totally built their own lives and that's been amazing but the animosity and the pain and the hatred towards what was was so real and so vivid and live still whenever you talked about it and they'd cl- they'd clearly never talked about it definitely not to each other wow maybe to other people but definitely not to each other they yeah. never talked properly about their relationship about each other they, ne- they just hadn't talked um and sitting there with two brothers as a brother understanding and seeing that i was like I feel it felt a bit like a duty to 
bring these two brothers back together and 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 rebuild that relationship that clearly was so strong i mean they're twins there's no closer yeah. connection a family yeah. person can have so the idea that they weren't speaking they were angry with each other was thing it, it was upsetting so were you working with them before they announced the no gig? After. They, it was after they already after. announced the, the their reform yeah and they uh, yeah and then they'd sold out the o2 they sold out two nights of the o2 incredible yeah. in, almost straight away right, right in seven seconds which you know you get those little details and you're like Okay, so you need to know where it's going. There's a fan base here, like maybe that's interesting, let's see. Um, And then, yeah, and then the other side of it is just they are such brilliant documentary characters Mm. because of the pain and all the other things that I said previously, but also they're just brilliant characters. They're hilarious. They, um, They say exactly how they feel. They believe everything they say. So it was, it was just, it felt like a win win. So, and a lot of people have asked me this and a lot of people have I've been reading about it and stuff believe it might be scripted now from what you've said already is you don't do that and and you're not shaking your head already but for me to understand that it's it's almost unbelievable that these quotes were coming out and the whole spinal tap reference of this when you were filming it and they're saying these wonderful quotes which I'll read some in a minute because it's absolutely unbelievable and wonderful were you literally almost crying behind the camera? Were you going, sorry, what is, is this real? What are they faking it? What was your feeling? So there's a few, there's a few moments in the film where you can very clearly hear me laughing behind the camera. <laughs> so if you hear so the British air, him getting on the plane, the British air yes, is a bit. Yeah. Yeah. If you listen closely, I'm pissing myself behind the camera. <laughs> um, a lot of the lines came in the master interview and um, the straight down the line. Yes, you can we did. See, yeah. So um, that was each of them was about six hours, five to six hours across a day, those interviews. Fuck. Um, which you can imagine. It was yeah. really intense and really long. Um, and I would say by the end of that, I didn't have a fucking clue what anyone had said. No. But yeah. then going back to the edit and sitting down and marking stuff up and going through things, it was, yeah, they'd given us some absolute goals. It was, be- it was, it was amazing. And none of that was scripted. Nothing was scripted. Nothing in the entire film is scripted. Not even putting Matt at the piano for him to sing the song that sounds like he's going to say, lick my love pump. <laughs> None of that is scripted. Nothing is scripted. These are very real people who honestly took us on their journey. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. It would have been so wow. easy and tempting for you to just uh, expose them or make them look very stupid. Mm. You traverse a very nice line between, yeah, they're kind of comedic, goofy characters, but the doc is genuinely moving as well. By Very the end of it, moving. I'm like, you know, I, I was, I was a bit choked. So a few times I was choked. Uh, you know, was there any, was there any, any, any pressure on you to say, no, no, keep it funny, keep they're ridiculous? Because it would have been very easy to cash in on their previous um, persona and how they've yeah. been portrayed in the press. But you kind of dug that out and was, carved out something else for them. We talked about from from kind of very early on when uh, the editor Will Gilby came in and was mm. helping us out. Um, we've worked with a lot and we worked really well together we talked about balance from mm. the beginning we say yes these characters are hilarious yes spinal tap yes brent yes partridge all of so those that things came up in your conversation of course it, i yeah. mean how can it not how can yeah, it not? yeah sure um but there's also so much heart you care for you you have to care for these boys at the end if when they get on stage you're like they're twats yeah then we failed <laughs> sure we just failed because you have to go through that journey with them the yeah. first half an hour is really funny yeah the last half half an hour is fucking tragic it is yeah you go through a real journey with them and and we were so conscious of that that we knew that striking that balance would be the hardest thing Mm. and in the edit it was so hard it really was to get that right because you don't know when you're pushing it too far because also you know it was a 
14 week edit and we do um 9 a.m till 3 a.m every day including weekends for wow. 12 weeks going so we back, just didn't leave the edit suite going back very quickly get to the edit in a minute but so again were you spending were you practically living with them because they're different locations so how are you no, dividing so, your time so they came quite early so there was a first month which was in vegas and la and we split time between those two yeah um and then when they were in the uk we were with them the whole time um yeah everyday rehearsals every evening when we could um yeah just with them the whole time did you know early on that you had something special did you know at that point that oh god this is not only hilarious but it's touching as well because it's hit a zeitgeist it is a fantastic documentary you've done so well it's hilarious but yet touching it's everything a doc should be it's talked about so much being that like say is this real is it not did you know early on that You'd hit on something. Um, I, 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 it'd be wrong to say yes, because I don't know that we did. Because ultimately, it's still a film about Bross. So mm. we knew that getting people to actually watch it would be one of the hardest things. I mean, yeah. we talked about it outside before. On paper, mm. Bross after the screaming stops, like, I don't want to watch that. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to watch that. And that's fine. <laughs> like, whatever. That's fine. Everyone's got their opinions. Do what you want to do. But then getting into it and seeing past that and seeing it's so much more than the story of this band that did okay and everyone hate, did really well that everyone hated. It's actually the story of these two brothers who have been ripped apart by fame mm-hmm. trying to put this relationship back together. Sure. I mean, it, it, yeah, it just felt, it felt really important. It felt like an important story to tell for them as well. Yes. And I know that you, you've had to answer this quite a bit previously, but what is, so there's a, there was a third member of Bross, Craig, yes. who um not involved or barely, not even name-checked, but I know because no. he's, he's gone on to have quite a career. Yeah. Uh, but he there was an interview on the uh, on the Blu-ray, is that right? So you yeah. did, did shoot stuff with him or what was the, what was the deal so there? So we shot an interview towards the end of filming with Craig. Um, so, so everyone we- knows, Bross, uh, just in case you don't know, we're a boy band in the UK. Uh, but yeah, we're yeah, massive sorry. <laughs> of course you know who Bross are what do you mean <laughs> why, why wouldn't you because obviously anyone over 37 yeah, probably doesn't know who, um, under 37 doesn't know who they are they were a massive band they had three members two twins Matt and Luke and they also had a third member called Craig who disappeared from the spotlight but was actually a very successful music yeah. producer behind the scenes running band so and we're talking about Craig the third member who isn't in the dock no so, so early on, we we talked about how um, this film was about Luke and Matt. It was mm-hmm. the two brothers rekindling their relationship. Bross had to take a back seat to that, although we knew we were going to, you know, they're going to see them on stage at the end, and and that we had to tell the story of the journey of fame. But um, there's so much in this film. There is so much. There's so many little segments and there's so many you know the sister dying the mum dying mm-hmm. all those little things to add in the third character who wasn't as important to the story firstly not important to the story we were telling personally yeah. um it complicates things because he actually left before they got famous or they got properly famous oh, just really? before so ah. they did Wembley after he left ah so the biggest event don't in, know that right so the biggest yeah. event with bros was after craig had left Oh, that's so, odd. Yeah, I wouldn't have done it. Right, and and the best story that Craig gave us and the whole the whole of his interview was about the split, how they split up, and it's on the DVD, sure. and it's great, but it's just not. Re- it, it's just I, not it relevant. To, it just doesn't fit, and it's one of those things that people will constantly. It was a lot of conversations like you have to. People are going to comment. People, go, mm. and I, I, I'll, I was happy to kind of bear the burden of that that I didn't think it was important for yeah. the film. But I think that's great in terms of your marketing side because, however, whoever's marketed this. He's done a brilliant job because all those questions have been asked. So the fact that he isn't in the dock is a question that people go, why is he not in the dock? We should find. And that becomes a talking point and another 
a magazine and another online interview mm. talking sure. about it. Just another point is, you know, all my previous films have had talking heads. Mm. This film actually, th- there are two talking heads in the entire film. The two brothers. And, and there's, there's actually two others at the beginning. There's Robin Anton and Ron Perlman Ron early on. Yeah, Ron Perlman, Perlman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right at the beginning. Is and that because he's related? No, <laughs> no, it's E-R-L. E-R-L. It's not E-A-R. It was a question. I wish. I wish. <laughs> um, no, he's not related. Uh, so... We we did a load more interviews. There are a lot of 80s faces that are sitting on a hard drive. Oh, really? But it just muddles the story. And also, sure. it's just not necessary. Mm, I mean, yeah. the boys yeah, the boys are so good. So they hold good. the film down. They were ready to talk. They were ready to be honest. And as you say, it's not really it's not about... It, I mean, you, you touch upon where they were and where, where their journey or where they are. But it's more about the next chapter in their life and how they're evolving how they're getting over this bump. exactly and bringing them back together that was it those are people they really hadn't spoken in about 25 years mm. um and, and and yeah hearing those things it's like you can't imagine doing that as, as a i mean as a brother yeah imagine not speaking to my brother for a couple of days yeah. never mind you know, i know and then to ha- and don't forget you were famous because of that mega famous like as big as one direction exactly. famous yeah, yeah without a doubt they were they were yeah. that big just to relate it to now, so yeah, a lot of Charles is famous. <laughs> yeah. They're my fans. The inter- you occasionally, my guys, you occasionally get pulled in yourself, don't you? You you can. Uh, there's one time, yeah, you're, you yeah. neglect uh, Luke, isn't it? And you kind of, I think he's having a bad day. Yeah. And uh, are you often hesitant to get sucked into the piece itself? Or uh, yes, I would say normally it's not. It's not about me, and it's not. I, sure, I would but... try to be as far away from it as possible. But in this situation. There was so much going on. Like the filming of it is a film. Like the mm, film's amazing. Yeah. But what happened with us and the relationship with Matt and Luke and our internal relationships was a film in itself. So um, what was the question again? Actually, you're getting to where I was going. Yeah. Right? So did you argue with them? Because there's a point where you can hear, I think it's yourself, you know, chipping in it because suits, I know exactly you've neglected which, Luke a little bit. But So was there a point where... Actually, yeah, the three of you were arguing, the four of you were arguing. Uh, yeah, there were yeah. a lot of one-on-one conversations with the boys. It was never the three of us going at it because I yeah. would never do that. And they were never prepared to do that. So yeah. they would take me aside and say, I feel like I'm not getting the camera time that he's getting or I'm not happy with how this went or those kind of things. And you just manage it. You know, yeah. you manage it as you go. You're so close to them at that point and you're so embedded that you just you just got to keep keep it rolling and, and make sure no one's too pissed off with anyone and just get to the end. And during that month period then, were you just literally filming the whole time? It seemed like there was quite a few cameras. It seemed like you were just, let's just shoot. Yeah, basically. It was Keep two rolling. of us there every single day, uh, me and the producer, Gina Powell. Um, and we just had cameras strapped right. to our faces for a month. And, and if, it, if the card died or the batteries went... <laughs> You didn't have to rush didn't the boots have, yeah. and get another one. Anyone else. <laughs> yeah. and, and the boys were fine with that. They had no problem filming at all. No, no, they wanted more. They, there were times when we weren't there that I'd get texts from Luke asking why I'm not there and, and that he'd done something amazing. He made an amazing I, quote. Yeah, and yeah. I should have seen it. And, so no, there, was, there was no issues no issues with that at all. I'm going to have to read some quotes and because they're just so yeah. good. If you've not seen this doc, you need to see this doc. It's fucking brilliant. Um, I need to swear, John. There really it's is. Very it's that good. A quote here. <laughs> Rome wasn't built in a day, but we don't have the time Rome had. Uh, I, there's, there's, I've written six because these are six of my favourite. Um, my brother's the left side of me and the right side of me. You know, sometimes he's one or the other. <laughs> these are these are genuinely said in absolute honesty, yeah. and they just said it. Yeah. Okay, here's another one. Um, <clears throat> I was a rectangle, and he was a rectangle, and we made a square, and that became a fortress. 
I mean, it's it's instantly quotable. It's instantly brilliant. Um, I, I made a conscious decision because of Stevie Wonder to not be superstitious. <laughs> but you get what he's saying. This is the point. Yeah. With yeah. All of them, with all of them, they're brilliant and they're Brent and they're Partridge and yeah. they're Nigel Tufnell and they're all those things. But you know what he's saying. His yeah, education was music. Yeah. He, you get like, so a lot of it and the people who really understand the film and want to love the film mm. are the people who are like, are on board with that with that kind of stuff and i and i think that's why it's been able to kind of transcend and yeah. and, and really get to people because it does have all those things i've never seen them which you do show this i've never seen them as they're talented musicians as well Definitely. so and you got to yeah. show that and so by the end it's like oh these guys know what they're doing really you know, know what yeah. they're doing you absolutely know, brilliant um, on the drums. They were, yeah they, were, they really are brilliant musicians i mean if I'm honest, I, I didn't make this for Bros fans. We didn't make this for Bros fans. Sure. There is very little Bros music in this film because it's not the kind of music I would like to listen to. Yeah. And I also don't think that it's in my over film. Over and over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, day after day. Like, Come on. And also, it's not, the, it's not the music that the boys grew up on. Like, their influences are, yeah. is the, are the music, you know, it's Stevie Wonder, it's Motown. Well, it's, on all, it's on all of Luke's t-shirts every five minutes, isn't it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Every, yeah. got every, I think it's about five or six bands. Was that ever an issue with... No. Copyright. No, copyright. No. No. Fine. Although I have an issue with brand new band t-shirts. Yes, they look too new, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, I do yeah, too. Yeah, They're not worn in. I like to put them in the washing <laughs> machine at least 20 times. Yeah, something. Go vintage <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. 20. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the documentary of making it side of it then and, and what you were going through when you were making it and what you look for in camera angles and shots and stuff like that. Are you specifically going, okay, two, if it's just two of you in the room or three, are you going, right, you get the close-up, you get the wide. How does it work for you? How do you make um, it? It's a good question. Um, it, it's it's a kind of a constant dialogue, I guess. Um, I'm always trying to shoot something. I'm, I'm never wide. This is what's going on in the room, and I think that's kind of clear from the film. Mm-hmm. I try to push it at all, you know, whenever we can. Um, how do you know that both of you aren't on one person? Yes, person? Yeah, I was one. You know, how do you so the beginning of if, if we were filming a song, for for example, at the beginning of the song, we'd be like, "This is this is you, this is me." And I guess you could look at each other and say, "Oh, exactly." And if it's and, and also like, I'll take Matt, you take Luke, and yeah. whatever happens around that, we'll work with that. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of that. Um, but I don't know. It, it's it's tough because. A month in one room. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of it gets kind of tedious, and you, there's only so many ways you can film people playing the drums and people singing. Yeah. So as soon as you exhaust all the creative ways of doing things, you're just like, <sighs> you know, what? Well, yeah. yeah. Let's just make sure we're getting everything. Um. Uh. So yeah, I, I, it was just it was kind of capture everything. I'm a very much of the of the capture everything, get to the edit. Then we'll work out our master. Then we'll find the film. So Um, you didn't have a beginning, middle, and end when you set out, or not? not Obviously, you were building to the yeah. We were building to the gigs. We knew we were getting to an end. Yeah. But in terms of where we would tell different parts of the story, that was move. They were moving until two weeks before we delivered. Right. So you could have put the mother's story in much earlier exactly. when she died, the sister's story. Exactly. Right. It just anything, everything was movable for a long time. Okay. So and like the, the hardest part was how quickly did you get the boys to the UK? Yes. And um, that was like a huge thing we were talking about. And it, and it happens within the first 10 minutes of the film. Mm. My first cut, 35 minutes in, right. finally we get to the UK because you've told all the backstory up until that point. Yeah. But you watch it and you're like, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we I kind of want to. How do you keep it? Because, you know, how do you keep it fresh and how do you keep... Because obviously there's so much information you've got that we don't have. And so you might take certain things for granted. How do you keep yourself in check? And because you will assume certain things, which the audience just don't have that information. Yeah, I'm lucky that, so when we edit at Full Well, one of the one of the great things is we have a lot of the execs coming in and out the whole time. Sure. Um, and whenever anything, whenever we'd cut something that we felt was, 
either particularly funny or particularly poignant or whatever those things I'd, I'd always like to show it to someone but and also you know it was one of those situations where it was an edit suite where people were pissing themselves for 10 weeks so say. every single time anyone walks past there's a knock on the door can we see what you've just cut yeah. and it was that thing whoever was coming through the office you'd be like someone would bring them in and be like can you just watch the scene <laughs> so it was, like, it was kind of a constant reminder of like wow this is heartfelt wow this is funny yeah. um it wasn't easy. Uh, it wasn't easy to stay focused and to kind of keep pushing on with it. But I think that I, I would, now retrospectively, I think we did know that we were onto something with this film. Mm. We, were, we were so incredibly proud of what we'd been able to capture and where we were going with it that, um, that I think we just kind of embedded. It was, it was really just, let's just get, let's just make the best possible film we can. And, uh, it was, it felt like by far the best thing I'd ever filmed. Wow. So in the edit, it was yeah. like, I have to perform. I have to do the best thing with what I've got so far to be able to deliver. Is there a certain response? Do you feel a certain responsibility? So if you have got, because you've spent so much time with these people and developed a relationship with them. So then you're, they're now gone. They're off doing their own thing. Mm. You're now in an edit suite with your editor. It's clear from the doc. It feels like, you know, you don't want to poke fun at them. You you know, you were quite protective of them, which is absolutely, it's not toxic. It's a very nice tone. I'll be brutally honest, when you're in an edit, and I'm sure everyone in this room agrees with me on this, um, everything goes out the window. Everything goes out the window. You say whatever you want. You comment on whatever you want. You take the piss out of everything. Yeah. Because otherwise, what's, you know, you've got to build that relationship and it's got to be completely free. It's like being in the writer's room. No one will judge you. Yeah. You just say whatever you want and it's fine. And I think... I'm so glad you've said this as well, because I know exactly what you You know what I mean, right? And and I think that, um, I think that was a hugely important thing is that we were able to go from taking a step back and being able to kind of laugh a bit and then enter back into it and be like, okay, now we've got to cut the mum section. Yeah. And yeah. being able to do those switches yeah. was co- a constant reminder that we were, you know, gunning towards something that was much more than just a point and laugh. So in your edit room then, have you got post-it notes around with all your specific scenes? How do you do it in the edit room? Yeah, so we're we're very much cue card people. Cool. So we get um, lots of different colours. So we have comedy, pain, um, and also... What colours your comedy? Yellow. Red. <laughs> red, actually. Red. I red. thought pain would be no, red. pain's blue. Because you want to be calming when you look at these things, you know. Right. Um, confuse me. And then I? yellow and green for Matt and Luke. Um, uh, so, we, yes. so we'd be putting, you know, all the Luke scenes, all the Matt scenes, and then be able to kind of move so those around those on a wall. you need to keep those balanced uh, effectively, yeah. Exactly. So then you know the balance. Because also the one thing that we knew, that if these boys watched the film and felt like it wasn't balanced, mm. they would be angry. They'd be upset. Yeah, yeah. And fair enough. It's yeah, of course. It should be balanced. Both of them and exactly. not just one. Absolutely. What I find really interesting is that between them, they're, they're both still doing well in their separate career. So really what are. you said at the beginning was, well, what the doc says at the beginning is exactly right. Yeah. It's it's true. And it's fascinating because it does feel like someone's going, <laughs> yeah, we're pulling the wall this whole time, which is an amazing testament to you that it it it, it straddles that line. Because I was sat with three three mates watching it and the amount of times we went, is this real? Is This must be a joke. This can't be real. This is scripted. This is scripted. And, and we were all on the fence with which it was, which I think is fantastic. Absolutely. Because you've set the precedent. You've made everyone question it. Yeah. And it and isn't a straight doc. It's It could be a drama. It's Right. That was the idea. I, I, we just don't, we didn't want to make something that felt digestible in that way like a puff piece essentially you know mm. serving them because it's not that's not what it's not what we make it's not as a filmmakers we aspire to be much bigger than that of course we transcend that yeah, so that's i think that we did that amazingly with an 80s pop band i think you did it amazingly yeah what's, agreed what's your process because uh yeah the key you've talked about it before the 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 spine of this is your 
two master interviews uh, in Terratron or eye, eye yeah. line camera. So what's your, and I've used that myself as Giles, I'm sure you have a few times, you know, doing interviews uh, on uh, on various pieces. Yeah. And it it's a weird thing because, yeah, you can you can engage. And, and for those who don't know, for listening, in, you, it's called Interatron or, yeah, or an eye line camera. It's got I, very yeah. names. It, ultimately, what it is, it's a mirror on the on the map box of the main camera mm-hmm. and it's connected to a smaller camera which films you, the director, or whoever's answering the questions. So effectively, you both see each other. So your your uh, subject isn't looking down the barrel of a lens. And looking awkward, they're looking at someone's face. They're looking, eyes. they can see someone's face um, and you can then break, I think it breaks down that film crew barrier. So what what's your process having now done this a few times what's your process and what do you find works about it and you know how do you embrace that so it's been developing over the years uh the first i did that with life of ryan was the first actually doc that i did it on um and um it was it was a funny one because i felt like it was uh it, it was more of a style over substance. I don't think that Ryan was emotional enough or gave you enough of the kind of, <laughs> yeah. of what you'd want out of that type of person. Can, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, and, and it was also like maybe a bit close and the lighting was maybe a little bit like intense. So it was, uh, it, it's always been about stripping it down, not making it as obvious, but also still kind of using that method. Um, and the thing that we've now started doing is we, we, we black out everything behind the camera. Great. Yeah. So, yeah. So literally you just see my face. Yeah. Which um, is beautiful. Right. Love it. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and that's it and it's, uh, we use the mirror system yeah and it all comes back to yeah like film school Errol Morris like seeing the, those films mm. you know the thin blue line just being like holy shit that mm. is so brilliant and so and, and and also you know with this doc in particular it took about five hours of sitting talking looking at a person it's just so intense especially yeah. when they're talking about the things they're talking about how do you work out as we're doing right now in fact and I always, yeah. I always juggle with as you can tell yeah. when to jump in or when like, I've got to leave <laughs> I've got to leave that gap but you're very good I mean I presume you give them the space to talk and give you more 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 how do you manage that I, I, I won't interrupt anyone I, I'll never interrupt anyone during an interview if they're flailing I'll, no I'll, idea what, what no, you're talking CJ about CJ doesn't understand the concept <laughs> very what rare. are you man <laughs> why wouldn't you kind of different we're, all, we're allowed it's a podcast, it's a podcast. Right? yeah yeah conversation um i very rarely interrupt anyone um unless absolutely necessary um because most of the time i think you're just breaking someone's flow and you do want it to feel like a conversation as much as possible um but with you know matt and luke they want to talk they they want yeah, to they want to they want to tell their story yeah so you just give them space the and funniest one i've ever heard is eric Cantona. my cousin ben um interviewed eric Cantona for class of 92 yeah. he's director of class of 92 and he had no idea when eric was finishing sentences <laughs> and beginning the next sentence to the point where he kept on interrupting him so that eric would k- keep on doing it to him and then go you can talk now <laughs> brilliant so yeah you just, brilliant. I think you just gotta be careful it's sometimes during those moments though where you with especially with uh matt and he is giving you those one-liners and it's just you and him and he's looking at you. Was there that moment of disbelief or absolute, I've got comedy gold? No. You were just sort of, because he said it. so much. You're too in it. You're right. too in it. I, I mean, the the very last thing that Matt says in the film after the uh, after you see them on stage, when he yeah. talks about uh, the water on a new planet and 15 mm. one-way streets, mm-hmm. that was the very last thing in that interview. And he burst into tears. Because it was, you know, it was six very six hours inta- of looking intense at your hours. Face. Exactly, that can make anyone cry. Um, but he, he, we even just in those six hours, we kind of gone through so much together. Mm. You know, also so there's 
you know, I, I lost my mum just before we started filming this. Oh, so, yeah, um, yeah. right. So I was, I was able to connect with them on that on, in a different level that anyone could. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, when he says in the film, Matt says in the film, um, the thing that you miss the most, is you can't call her. You can't call your mum. It's that one phone call that you need to make that you'll never be able to make again. Yeah. I just lost it. Completely lost it. Cause it's the first time in six months, I guess, of, of having lost my mum, where I'd heard something that made sense to me. Yeah. I'd heard one person say something that had just totally made sense to me. Sure. And that was, you know, mid through, midway through six hour interview. Did they know this as well? But yeah, so I could, I get, and as you said, opening up and of course, you know, they've got to know, you know, if they've had an experience that's similar, then I want to talk about it. And it was a very similar cancer and very similar thing. So sure. it was something that I was, you know, I'm, I, I want to talk about these things. It's important to talk about these things. Mm. Yeah. There's a person you've built a bond with and then they're opposite you crying. Mm. How do you, and to, to, I find it very difficult to not say anything or offer them a tissue or help. But how, again, how do you? You can't. I mean, ultimately, you have to. You're a warm, to, loving person. Yeah, yeah, you've got to take you, that step back. I mean, I, I'll be honest, it comes from the charity films that I did early on in my career. Mm, yeah. Just sitting across from someone with cancer or, or someone who's going through something awful or lost or, or orphaned kids or all these mm. kind of things and being able to engage with them and them tell their story. And you just have to sit back and do that kind of no emotion, yeah. you know, just that face at them and how does it make you feel? And you just have to keep kind of prodding. And you yeah. also get, this is horrible to say, but you get very good at, at knowing when to turn the key. Mm. That's like a big thing that I feel like I've learned um, making all those films up until this this point is like you you know when is the right time to turn the key with the subject. Right. So you're primed with certain questions. I take it. How do you structure that? Yeah. So I'd say it's a it's a formulation of questions, um, but also you just it's in the moment. Like I, I'm not so big. I'm not so big into notes. I like having like kind of bullet points, but I'm much more into t- kind of just riffing with them. So if I know that we're leading down that path, then I'll try and start my kind of line of questioning that i feel will get them to that moment and you've done so much research on them that you know all the all the side stories and all those moments that you you can just pull it out of the bag and go oh well let's talk about your and as well as all the stuff that they've told us that they've forgotten off camera yeah, this of is course. also huge. of course they want to they want to tell you everything yeah. there are times when you're just sitting at dinner with matt or luke and they'll be telling you the story and you're like i mean how did you get through that that's insane yeah. um and and you'd pull that then you pull that card later on yeah. and then you, they'd be like, oh, I thought I told you that off camera. I was like, well, now you're, yeah, on, camera. Now you're on camera talking yeah. about yeah. it, you know, and, that, and that's, a, that's a thing. And they were very happy to be warts and all from the very beginning and throughout just, we're going to say whatever and you can take whatever. Absolutely. They had, there was no creative control. They didn't have final sign off. Nothing. Right. So even if they'd hated it, you could have still released it. Absolutely. Uh, right. Luckily, from what I read. They love it. They love it. Yes, they love it. Do they realise that they are the Spinal Tap-ish and, you know, wanting to bring Conkers back and having, a, you know, this whole petition to do it? Do they realise that they are looked at that way? I've spoken to I've spoken to both Matt and Luke. And when I spoke to Matt the first time, just after all the Twitter re- reception, he said to me, rather than anything, I thought, you know, the Spinal Tap stuff, the David Brent comparisons, any of those stuff. He said, why are people calling me evil? <clears throat> and I, and I, I said, Matt, I think you're reading into this totally, I mean, yeah, I, totally I wrong. I didn't get that. I, I think you're. I think you, you've read this wrong. I think this is a chance to embrace the fact that the entire country is talking about you. Yeah. I, I said you've been out of the UK for a long time. Remember Christmas. Remember everyone in the country sitting down and watching one thing. You were that this Christmas, regardless of what anyone's going to say That's about true. you. That was that. And you, I, I don't know that the 
the kind of Brent Partridge and those kind of things really clicked with him necessarily, those lines. Okay. He's definitely played along with it on Twitter with the Conkers. But he knows he's eccentric. They know that they're eccentric characters. They know they're funny. Um, when I first showed the film to Matt, he turns to me and say, wow, I didn't know how funny, I didn't realize how funny I was. <laughs> so like, they know, they know who they are. And I think this yeah. has helped them to kind of, to get to that. That's nice. Going back over, getting away from Bross ever so slightly, what kind of mistakes have you made previously on other productions, you mentioned the Ryan, you know, Ryan Giggs and interviewing him. And is there any sort of key mistakes or things that have gone wrong or that you or think that paid off yeah, yeah. this time out with Bros? Because to me, the Bros doc feels like you're suddenly firing on all cylinders and it's something's really working well. Uh, Not the other stuff wasn't. I, no, 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 I, no, no, I yeah. hear you. Um, I think that, I'll be honest, I think it was the right subject at the right time. Yeah. It was kind of that beautiful thing of everything coming together. Um, I don't feel like I've had, and I don't know that many people have had, the opportunity to make a film like this. Like the, a film that that is, it transcends all of, I mean, you've got articles being written in Grazia at the same time as like Screen Daily. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't exist. It just doesn't happen. True, true. So, so it was kind of that... I'm I'm very commercial yet have this kind of independent um sl- like kind of slant that I like to pull on on my doc so it it just felt like the perfect marriage of lots of topics and lots of things coming together and I also felt like I was I was ready to make something that would be a little bit bigger and uh, and just kind of yeah I think I was just ready yeah I guess it was just, yeah I think I was yeah. just ready I remember sitting in the edit feeling that like I, I don't know if I'd felt that previously before just feeling fuck yeah <laughs> like this yeah. is a good film man um, you can't turn down work no one's like you shouldn't turn down no, work ever right um, and, and that's that's always been something that's been drilled into me i'll yeah. be honest that whatever it is it's paying and it's moving you forwards that's great and you to can, hear. yeah and I you can learn right. something on every job that you do absolutely mm. um but yeah there's just kind of a moment when it all comes together i guess yeah yeah it feels what like about that. the reception then let's talk about the reception on christmas eve when it was released and the buzz around it and obviously the buzz before as well you must have gone oh, oh wow okay this is this could be big. People could, you could be on the filmmakers podcast talking about this. Bit. <laughs> not that big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right, not that right, big. Right. But even there's also a slightly mishandled release as well. It's just, it got to a slightly uh, rocky start. Yeah. So it was an interesting one. Um, so originally it was, um, so with XYZ in America yeah. and Lawton entertainment in the UK yeah. and, um, Lawton very much saw it as a, uh, as a, as a fan film originally Um, and I think when I came on board it started changing but I think there was still a we're probably only going to be able to sell this to the fans which is fair enough I mean as we've said there's still a lot of fans of course and also people aren't running to look at a Bross film um, it got into Fantastic Fest, which was amazing, yeah. and also the only documentary at Fantastic Fest. Amazing! It played unbelievably well. We won third place in the audience award. Everyone was buzzing off it. Everyone was really excited. And at that point, it was like, "This is the right audience. These are the people who need to see this." Yeah. We came back and we got into London Film Festival, which mm-hmm. were incredibly lucky. But every single screening was Bros fans because they hadn't had a chance to see it yet. Right. So that again was a very different and emotionally charged. Um, and I didn't make this for the fans. We didn't make this for the fans. Yeah. So having fans in the room, it was interesting to <laughs> yeah. hear their thoughts. And, and you know, they know the boys better than anyone. Yeah. So the, or they feel they do. Yeah, exactly. Yes, sure. So they, they, you know, they were the first to say that those are the people that we fell in love with. And that, and that's fine. That's great. And there's a lot of pain. And I think things that they didn't know about them. And then I kind of forgot about it a little bit. Um, and there was talk about a US release. And then the BBC came in, Jan Moore, uh, BBC Music. She absolutely loved the film and wanted to take it. And then they were talking about putting it on BBC Four. Um, And then when it was when it was kind of announced they were going to put on BBC Four, even though it was over Christmas, we weren't that excited um, Mm. because it just didn't feel like you'd get the eyes. Yeah, and um, and 
but at the same time we always talked about this film being a word of mouth film um because you have to be told to go and see it yeah and what what the beauty of the bbc4 release was everyone took ownership of this film you look on twitter every single person is like you have to see this i'm late to this but you have to watch this have you heard of this have you heard of it mm-hmm. and it felt like everyone else was able to take ownership of the film so it was it was it was more of a shared experience and that's why it picked up the kind of zeitgeisty feeling of christmas i think yeah i totally agree it was a shared film it was I think in the world of today, if something is shareable yeah. like this on Facebook, on Twitter, on Insta, or wherever else it is, it shares okay. and everyone goes, oh my God. And they want to jump on that bandwagon right. and they exactly. watch it and go, yeah, everyone's right. This is amazing. Yeah. And that must have felt great, right? It felt amazing. I mean, seeing people, seeing memes. Matt I was Goss- say, if you can meme yeah, it, if you then can you're meme- right. <laughs> Matt Goss memes and Matt Goss gifts are like the greatest thing ever to me. Um, but as soon as we started seeing that, we knew that it was uh, starting to take a life of its own. And, uh, and yeah, I, yeah, I've had a few like dinners and things where the people next to us have been like, "Oh my god, did you see that Brostock?" Like, kind of <laughs> sitting there, like, "Yeah, they're talking about my yeah, film. First, uh, You're like, "Let's see what they say first. Yeah, exactly. With that in mind, how what impact have you felt this has had on the career where you were before? What you know, how, what's changed? Pre Bros and post. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think. I mean, but to be honest, is, that, I think, uh, yeah, a lot. Yeah a lot great um i would say that the love that i was getting online on twitter was insane i mean stephen merchant ricky gervais asim chow like all these kind of amazing people who i look up to yeah just absolutely loving the film and and for that in itself is a huge it just feels like a huge achievement to be able to you know get those people to talk about the you know edgar wright absolutely loved it he's been messaging me me about the film which is the best thing ever of course it is like Fanboy stuff. Film, yeah, literally yeah, yeah. fanboying boying over the whole thing. Um, and then um, I think the the me as a prospect is just much more interesting now. Yeah. I think before I was, um, people looked at me as a documentary and, you know, I was making some great films, I thought. But um, I think now I think people feel like I can kind of take the next step up. And, and a lot of the offers now have been scripted comedy, scripted TV stuff. Um, and, that, and entering into that kind of world. How do you feel about moving into scripted comedy? I'm really excited about it. I think uh, it's something that I've definitely always wanted to do. Um, and uh, it's definitely um, more towards kind of the, my sentiment of what I've always kind of wanted to do. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really interesting switch. I'm going to, I, I like... I'd be upset to lose you in the doc world. I know. No, 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 no. I'm still going to do docs. I promise then, right? you I'm still going to do docs. Yeah. I absolutely still do docs. And I've got a few ideas which I'm talking to people about at the moment, which uh, I hopefully... The next few months, we'll be able to we'll be able to get away. Bewitched, S Club Seven, maybe not music. Yeah. <laughs> it strikes me that anyone that you could approach now would know you, you've got a reputation as you know you would carefully handle their exactly their profile. Exactly. So I think you're a safe pair of hands, you know, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think that was something we were very conscious of. Who wants to make films where you don't get a job afterwards? Yeah, you've got to do the you got to do the people right. Otherwise, you're just I not going to be doing any more business. And into the scripted stuff, then are you going to mix. Is a sort of in a way you could go Ricky Gervais extras where it mixes the documentary <laughs> scripted stuff or I mean I don't know is that where you're planning? We'll see. Um, oh, we'll, okay. we'll right. see. I get the sense that there's, yeah, there's, there's stuff. There's stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't we'll say. I think that I think that mockumentary would be a very easy uh, transition, sure, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know because I really like the idea. So what I was saying earlier before we got cut off was that my I, I keep crews very small. Um, whatever so I'm doing, I like that. Too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm normally three to four people max in most situations, and the idea of doing that with scripted just honestly it just makes me so excited. Mm. You know, to I make that should... money stretch so oh, far, God, yeah. Um, yeah. and know that the people I have around me can deliver, and yeah. I can just trust them. 
So That's cool. awesome. And you can work the camera yourself. You, right. know, you can already picturing the edit. Huge. It's a huge advantage. Great. It's an exciting future for yeah, me. Man. Very exciting. Really exciting. It, it's on iPlayer now. Bross After the Screaming Stops is on iPlayer now till the end of January. So you can catch that. So do go watch it now. What you're doing, what you're waiting for, and then come back and listen to this again if you haven't seen it already. Honestly, it's absolutely brilliant, Doc. You've done so well. Thanks, I was so happy. when I, so I was like, I watched it. I went, I'm going to ask him to come on the podcast straight away. He sent him a tweet, <laughs> sent a message straight back, went, yeah, right. I said, fucking good. <laughs> but it's always that easy. Yeah. I know. Well, he'd obviously listened to the podcast a lot. Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's a huge fan. fan. Yeah. Huge fan. <laughs> um, this has been brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Hey, uh, any little bit of advice you could give someone wanting to make a doc right now? Anything that you could Just give them? Go and do it. Just go film. I mean, the more you get out there, the more you do, the better you'll get. And yeah, just just keep filming. Don't give up. You'll, <laughs> you'll get there. You'll get there. Cool, man. Um, so where can people follow you online? What's your socials? Uh, Twitter, Joe Pelman, Joe underscore Pelman or Joe A. Pelman, something like that. Um, and yeah, don't follow my Instagram. It's full of dog pictures and weed. <laughs> oh, I was about no. to say I love dogs <laughs> I'm joking you can cut that <laughs> it's in no, yeah, way. no way um, great okay so follow you on Twitter sure yeah. Joe underscore Perlman Joe underscore Perlman cool follow him there um, you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod follow me at Giles Alderson CJ at C James Direct. That's where you can watch like Night Feed and stuff. <laughs> That's where you can watch Night Feed. It's, it's my pinned tweet. What? <laughs> no. Uh... So if you've enjoyed listening to this, please like and share and do subscribe to us on iTunes. If you've got any questions, get in touch. If you want to be on the podcast, if you made a film, let us know. Um, we can talk about it. And if you have anything you want shouted out on the podcast, if it's a crowdfunder or it's a screening you've got, let us know and we will shout about it. Um, being prepared is everything. You can make your new film, but know who your audience is and get out there and do it. And remember, if you're lucky enough to do well and rise up, it's your duty to send that elevator back down. Joe Perlman, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. CJ, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure, guys. Until next time, take care and do take that next step towards making your feature film. And as Joe says, just go out and do it. Do it. Take care. Bye. Bye. was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.